Hey, happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridors Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here. No Shane today. Uh, we've decided to opt for significantly older. Um, hey, Andrew, how are you doing? This is Andrew Craig with the LA Times. <laughs> Joining us from uh, Los Angeles, you covered the, the, the Clippers-Blazers game last night. The grind is just beginning for you. Actually, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm actually very tired. <laughs> yeah, because I sort of forgot that. Oh yeah, seven thirty uh, tip-offs mean twelve thirty one a.m. Uh, leave the arena uh, realities, but it's but it, we're good. It's it's been a good preseason. So take me through your schedule yesterday. What time for opening day? What time do you start work? What time do you finish up? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people who think we just go to games and watch them and then leave. Quite a bit longer than that, I would assume. I well, there was a team shoot around, which happens most home games. I couldn't go yesterday, but there, uh, there's a shoot around from they play up the winter player out to talk around 10 a.m. So that's when do you factor in the commute? You know, that's a couple hour commitment. Um, and then I usually like to arrive at the arena for like a 7:30 tip off around 4:30 because the coach will talk at 5:45. Both coaches talk at 5:45, and then six. Um, so you always have the pregame availability the locker room opening up. So yeah, it ends up being a 12 hour day. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just basketball. It's not digging ditches. How, 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 how different is, was it, was this your, is this your fourth season on the Clippers or is this your fifth? This is my sixth. This Six, is, holy shit. This <laughs> is longer than I covered the ducks. That, that, that's actually funny because I, I, have memories of you and I after like our second and third seasons, like every like last game, we'd like shake hands and be like, well, Greif, it was, it was a pleasure covering this beat with you. I imagine we'll probably be at the New York times and Washington post next, you know, like, like these, and then you actually finally did leave and I've, I've been here and now I feel even older now. So thanks for that. <laughs> uh, but, but, but how, how different is it like in your sixth season? Like this has just got to be comfortable for you. It's just like a job, right? It's not, I, I imagine like that first year on the NBA beat, even just, whenever I go down to LA and I have to like park at like USC or whatever, like even that's a stressful thing for me. I imagine this is just casual for, you know, now, right. The, 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 kind of the, the rhythms of getting to the arena, all that stuff. Yeah. That's, you know, I don't really worry too much about traffic and just sort of getting there. But I will say on like the job level, what's nice about the makeup of the Clippers roster is that so many people have been there for so many seasons. Like there's I counted, there have been seven players, who've been on the team since Ty Lue's first year. That was 2020, 2021. So for the last four years, Jeez. I've had seven guys still on the team. And and that's those seven guys are basically like six of his top 12. You know, so like basically all the contributors have been around for a long time. So you, you walk into the locker room and there's like a, a very much a familiarity there with all of the main faces. And so it's nice to not have just turnover after turnover after turnover where you're kind of, reestablishing who you are to the team right. every year. How, how difficult is that from a season? Cause there's so many games you guys have to cover and there's what 12 guys in that locker room. It's not like, like a football roster where like any given week I can write about one of a hundred guys. And like, I haven't wrote, written a profile on so-and-so yet. That's six years of having that many same guys in the locker room. Like how, how has that affected how you kind of go about doing your job? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think as we know, our jobs is um, kind of hinge on if you do it well, like you're, you're giving people new information, and so I 
it, it can be a challenge to sort of, okay, what am I going to tell people about Kawhi Leonard now or Paul George? So I was actually really happy that, um, like in the preseason, I wrote a, a, my season preview story and I, I talked to Paul and I walked with him to his car after a preseason game. And, and I got, I think I got a new side of him um, where he was pretty respe- reflective and introspective talking about his, his career and how he thinks he'll be remembered or how he hopes he'll be remembered. <laughs> so that stuff is like a win in my book because I, I feel like because people have been reading about in a lot of ways, the same four of the top five um, for a number of years, they probably are like, well, you know, what's new about this team? They're, they're, so it is a challenge, especially when the storylines are a lot of the same too, where they're just always hurt. Um, right. It's not like there's a, a lot of new variables about well, why are they struggling? Well, they're hurt again. So there's a little bit of um, how am I going to uh, bring some, some compelling information to this when a lot of it feels pretty familiar. But to to your point, like that that Paul story and, and having that relationship with him to where you can walk with him to his car and, and to have that conversation, that's almost like you you're unlocking like the level like the next level is like within like that same um yeah, I, I just I it's impressive and I, I actually envy that a little bit because I mean even uh in the six years you've been gone from Oregon, uh the coaching staff has been recycled yeah. several times and um it's a little bit of a different animal in the, the the college athletics world too, where you're not you're not often walking a player back to their car. Oh, <laughs> by the way, the, the the cars are a lot nicer now than back when you were uh, on the beat here. <laughs> it's a little different than when Marcus was driving around his cube or whatever. Uh, I'm I forget what it was. I'm too always. I, I think it. I think it, it was definitely it was it was definitely the cube. I think. <laughs> that was, that was pre nil money, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, and but they're all still parked in that on that um on that street like across from the the actual like parking garage, and so you'll see a lot more like BMWs and um, some Mustangs, and it's just like okay, okay, well done, and I know I I see you. <laughs> How was uh one? We'll get back to the Clippers in a second because I actually want to do like a little bit of a larger. I think they could be a very good NBA team this year, but how, how bad are the Blazers, Andrew? Like, is this, give, give, give me some, after watching last night, give, give the I five corridor fans something to hold on to for the next 81 games. Well, I think that, I think it's a really fun team. If I were following the Blazers, because yeah, like you sort of know the rules of engagement. Like they're not going to be a, a prob, uh, probably a play in tournament team, certainly not a top eight, uh, top six team that would just have an automatic playoff entrance. Um, but I, you're essentially watching like the opening pages of what, if you think about like a book, like you're looking at the open pages of Scoot Henderson's career. And I remember how much excitement there was around Damian Lillard's first season, because you, you were just like, wow, we get the privilege to watch this guy grow up in front of us. I think that's cool. I, although, you know, that there's going to be a lot of struggles and there's going to be many, many losses. And like last night's, where they trailed by 30 and never, uh, never led. That's probably going to be the rule more than the exception. Right. Um, but when you look at the roster, it's like, okay, you have sort of the the very beginnings of a 19 year old's career. Then you have a, a roster that isn't uh, like something that you just look at and think, how are they ever going to compete? You know, like you have Tybal, who's a really good defender. Uh, you have Jeremy Grant, who's still has that capability to be like a, a potential all defense guy. He's there's you go down the list and like 
Robert Williams is like a really good defender. I mean, he was like a vital part of a, a NBA final appearance team two years ago. I mean, so like the guys, the resumes they have on their roster are not like these no name people who you're trying to be like, well, who is this or why do I care? Like, uh, Shaden Sharp. I mean, watch watch your head. He's gonna dunk on you every chance he gets. So there there's some reasons why you can talk yourself into thinking I bet they could hang with this team tonight and. They have that element of hope that I think not a lot of rebuilding teams have. It, it, it's kind of um, from a storytelling perspective, it's almost the opposite a little bit of of the situation you're in, where it's all right, let's let's here we go, everyone's healthy, let's try this again. I, at least with the Blazers, it's not like they finally got out of that purgatory. It's no longer can Damon them do it? Can you know they get get Nurkic uh, motivated and have this all together? Like they may very well lose. I mean, they may win like what twenty five games this year or so, <laughs> but like at least it's at, at least it's something different. Like I, I actually I enjoyed watching last night, even though it was uh, it was ugly. It, it was uh, ugly basketball, and also they are qualifying um, to uh, the McNuggets purchase now for a hundred points. It's it's with a minimum two dollar purchase, and I think I think uh, there might be some more riots around town here. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I don't think there's any yeah. restrictions on the Clippers food promotion, which is if the opposing player misses two free throws in a row in the fourth quarter, it's free Chick-fil-A. Oh man, that's great. Like 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 as if uh as if a crowd wouldn't go crazy enough for two missed free throws and then they actually have like a pretty decent bargaining chip. Like that's that's nice. I just want to paint the picture of how bonkers some of these promotions are in the arena. Like on the one hand, in the fourth quarter, just based on where people sit, like the cow, like the Chick-fil-A mascot cow, um, that's always like waving its its legs, I guess you'd say, um, to get the to distract the free throw shooter. He's always like standing behind essentially where Jerry West sits on the baseline. So it's always a really funny picture to me. Like you have the most regal, uh, one of the most respected, you know, NBA legends. And then you're behind me about like this, this this person in like a black and white spotted suit, like waving for free chicken sandwiches. Um, it's always a last night exhibit played at halftime, a halftime show. So it's quite a it's quite a scene. Every Clippers game is a scene. What's exhibit up to these days? Uh he's he's still doing the same hits he did when we were in high school. From what I can Perfect. tell. Awesome. You do. Did you ever do the the Arizona State basketball road trip with um? What is it that they do? They have like the curtain, and that they had like Michael Phelps come out that one time. That that was always a, a a fun one to see in person. Yeah, the curtain of distraction. I I think they, they, that was one of the most interesting games I ever covered, because I want. Wasn't there a spitter? Wasn't there a spitter? Yeah, spitting in incident. There's a spitting yeah. incident. I think it was the student section spit on a player. Uh, yeah, it was uh, a. You know what's funny? I I very specifically remember that happening because I had just started on the beat, and I think I had done like one of my first days in Eugene, and I think we were riding at your apartment that you were sharing, or at your house that you were sharing with. Was it Jesse, the 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 high jumper? You you showed me like his world championship gold medal. I was like, oh man, like this is cool. Like ducks riders get to hang around like way cool people all the time and then like you were getting on a plane to go to arizona state and it like snowed in portland the next day it was like this son of a bitch um 
and then you had like a great game, but then it, you had all that to cover. I was like, man, like this job's going to be awesome. Like I get to travel. I want to be able to travel. I get to cover like spitting incidents. Like this is this is great. <laughs> this is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now I'm going to miss that road trip because the the, the Arizona swing was probably the the most look forward to one on the uh, the the Oregonian Pac-12 uh, travel roll next. You know, one of the ones, and I'm not trying to make this a segue, segue but... Oh, it, it very well could be, yeah. But I really like the Utah trip. I was... I, perfect segue. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, obviously, stuff usually happened there, too. It was always a competitive game. Always some stuff that you would never have predicted, for better or worse, um, happened there. So, it makes I, me... When I see this game on the schedule for Oregon this weekend, it takes me back to a lot of memories. It's, it's it's an interesting one because there have been great games and these have been arguably the two most complete Pac-12 teams of probably the Pac-12 era, just consistency from the start to the finish. Um, I don't get the sense that there's like a whole lot of like bad blood between like the fan bases. Like when you like start like circling the schedule, at the, it's not like Washington or USC. I don't think they like overlap a ton in recruiting and obviously it's not like a natural um, rivalry there, but it's like you said, it's always a good game. I, I personally have always enjoyed going there, mainly one, because Kyle Whittingham looks exactly like my buddy Forrest that I play hockey with. So it would be a trip to like play, uh, to like be in Salt Lake Saturday night, do like see Whittingham there and then like take like the, the morning flight back to Portland and then play hockey the next day. And I was like, oh, hey, hey, Forrest, thank God. Like stupid memories like that are, are what I think that I hold on to here when the Pac-12 is, is blowing up is just... It was, it, was fun. it was fun. And also, I, I do remember a one-on-one basketball game where... Uh, oh, my gosh. I, I'm, I'm going to finally come clean. You cooked me. You cooked me real good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was at that, at that, that residence in a little bit south of town. It was a nice little, like, uh, like nice court there to play on. I, I've run by that sport court. Uh, I was residence in on my NBA travels at Salt Lake City. And I do think about our one-on-one game quite a bit there. Um, yeah, it was our, our, our tennis games were a bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I still, I, I, I think I actually only did the Utah trip for football twice. And I still talked to, I still remember that 2014 game, which we're about to get into again a little bit, but I, I do remember that the media meal for that game was soup. Do you remember that? It's offensive. Actually, and and at this point, I would take soup because at the Oregon State-Utah game a couple weeks ago, nothing. They just give you a voucher to go down into the concessions with the commoners. And the I-5 corridor doesn't do that. Yeah, you know, there are a couple NBA arenas that also give you vouchers uh, for the media meal to go hang out with the hoi polloi and eat, with, <laughs> eat what they eat on the concourse. And I actually like it. Um, that's That's been – because some of these places actually have pretty good – concourse food and they'll give you oh, like, yeah. a voucher will be like $25 so you can go get like a real like meal um but yes don't, uh don't I, get I, me wrong like I, I I do respect um probably especially in the NBA where you're going to different cities you know there's probably get different taste of uh, the concessions but it, that's a different ball game in a NBA arena than it is a football stadium I I would object yeah, well, the big deal in Los Angeles um, for those who want to get super inside baseball is Crypto.com Arena, where the Lakers and Clippers play their home games, of course. They 
built new suites underneath um, underneath the grandstands. They're called bunker suites or tunnel suites. <laughs> and so those essentially wiped out part of the old media room and okay. part of the old media dining room. So everything's gotten shrunken considerably, and it's caused a lot of angst um, among the you know PR people, reporters, TV people, because it's just a, such a smaller space, and it was such a the media room at Staples like it was like a big area. And it was like kind of you'd see like Mike Breen eating at a table over there. You'd see it was it was kind of a cool spot, and now it's just very, very small. So how will that how will that how will that accommodate when playoffs come or when national like when everyone descends upon? It's a great question. Andrew's nodding, by the way. If um, if you were watching this on YouTube, which we're not doing because neither of us had time to put our faces on this morning. You would see Andrew not just nodding in agreement. Yeah, no, no one knows. Uh, we'll see. The first Lakers Clippers game is November first, and that will be a, a good test of how much <laughs> how much seating there is. The twenty fourteen Oregon Utah game. Do you remember that more for the Kalen Clay fumble at the one yard line that was returned by the Walker, or do you remember it more for the Farrell Brown knee injury? Probably Farrell Brown's injury. Um, yeah, both both moments that again I'll, I'll never, hopefully in Farrell's case, um, ever see again in a in a game. Like you, like for one of those things to happen in a season would have been kind of mind blowing. For the two of them to happen, yeah, uh, within an hour and a half of each other, it's yeah. almost hard to to think about um, in retrospect. But yeah, it was. It was Farrell Brown because I remember writing the profile of Farrell a few months later, like I want to say February of the following year, 2015. And, you know, him basically saying that his leg was very close to becoming amputated because of the way the, the I, I believe it. had, yeah, had kind of put stress on his blood vessels and just awful stuff. And so um, I'm, I'm always like truly amazed. I, I don't really get that shocked by a lot of stuff, um, but like to see him have the NFL career, that see him like last in the NBA, yeah. in the NFL for as long as he has is truly amazing to me because we we watched that ambulance. For those who don't know, uh, non-contact play, his his leg just, I mean, shattered. Uh, for uh, lack of uh, a uh, word. Essentially, the back of his knee touched the turf. Like that's yeah. Yeah, and we, we watched Ugh. afterward the hospital. I mean, the ambulance take him from like the field up around the stadium. There's a hospital by the stadium, and uh, it was just you. Just I remember that that following um, the next day was Mark Helfrich's media availability. He always had it on Sundays. You kind of review the week, look ahead, and he always put on a good face for uh, even when they lost. But man, that game that day afterward, I remember sitting in that room in Eugene and. Like you could tell he hadn't slept like yeah. all night and there was a lot they, and they had won that game. So they'd emerged sort of uh, taking a sigh of relief, but that was, the, the, yeah. The fact that that happened on the, like, like having a, a major injury like that happened on the road too. Like essentially like the team had to leave, but he, he stayed in Salt Lake for the next like week or so. Is that right? I'm or it was, it, now, was but... it was it was it was at least an extended period of time. Like I, I can't imagine like being a player and going through something like that. And yeah, oh my gosh, 
I, I, I was, I kind of admired your, because I remember that profile that you wrote and I remember it being very good. And I remember admiring you getting through that because you're, um, I've always known, I, I don't know if you ever watched the replay of that injury. Like you don't, you're not like a, oh my God, look at this re injury replay type of guy. Like I, I like just writing about that stuff makes me squeamish. Like good on you. <laughs> I, I think I watched it once. Like, I think I, I think I watched it once to, to write that story and that was enough. So yeah the the fact that man there was so much stuff that happened in that season but just like even in that game like going back to like the the joe walker return oregon ends up winning that game like 50 something to 20 so if you're looking back at like the box score you're like uh, you know that wasn't a close game but that would have been that would have been 14-0 ifo was hurt in the locker room i actually texted him yesterday to see because I, I i forgot that ifo was hurt and was like hey what do you remember about the joe walker return he's like I was in the locker room, like worst possible time to like miss like one of the best plays in Oregon history. Um, and then he just said like the entire game flipped on that. Just, just the sideline. I mean, like there was multiple returns that season where you could see the game flip on the sideline, the the Rose Bowl, Jameis Winston fumble return where like everybody's sprinting down. Um, and then that Joe Walker return, but that was a 14 point swing. They end up uh having to then weather that Pharaoh injury. Like that was, I, I think just in those really successful seasons, there's always like those one or two games where you look back and go, Ooh, like at, at least there was a fulcrum point in that game where it went one of two ways. And that really worked out for the ducks that year. You know, you brought up the Oregon and Utah rivalry and how it's not really a rivalry. It's not, but they're two very good teams, but not a, necessarily a rivalry. But I think it's interesting. This isn't really a take, but I don't know that there's a, series that Oregon has played for the last decade that has had more random stuff um, like bizarro stuff happened than Oregon Utah you think about the fake punt return that Utah pulled on I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing I'm writing about that for tomorrow and the uh, I was looking at a story you wrote of um, you know Tom Osborne he, w he went and shook their hand afterwards he's like that was the best play I've ever seen in my life like yeah. you just gotta kind of tip your hat you think about in 2017, Willie Taggart's only year, Justin Herbert with no time remaining, throwing like the the winning touchdown in Utah, a game that they had no business. You had the, you had the Darren Carrington going to Utah part of yeah. it. I mean, there's there's a, if you think about it, few of the of their Pac-12 rivals, rest in peace, um, have kind of produced as much what moments as Oregon Utah. Not not only that, I remember being it was the twenty nineteen Pac twelve title game. Or no. It was the it was the twenty 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 Pac twelve title. No, it was the twenty nineteen. It was when they Yeah, they, they, they played Utah and they just absolutely dismantled them. And I remember before that I was I was eating uh, dinner with Chris Comrani and he thought that like Utah was going to go to the Rose Bowl and like here, like this is going to be so great. Like, sorry, Tyson, you got to go back to the Alamo. Um, and then Oregon won by like 30 points that game and just seen just the life drive, drive like take, come out of Chris's face as he realized that he was going to have to go to San Antonio instead of the Rose Bowl for a week. That's that was a fun one for me. <laughs> well, we've we've done that. Uh, we've had that look of realization on our own faces several times oh well well you had to do that almo two years in a row that was just my or no it was two out of three years for you because it was 13 and then 15 i joined the beat of 14 so by 15 i was like hey like san antonio this is great <laughs> i actually enjoy san antonio uh on the nba travel list but 
yeah, that I, I have fond memories of Oregon, Utah. Um, and I think this will be a great game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I will too. How, how often do you think Wemby is walking down the, the river walk? Uh, great question. I wonder if he's even been there. Uh, no, I'm yeah. sure he has. I'm sure he has. But uh, their practice facility, they the Spurs opened up a new practice facility this year that everyone who's listening to this should look it up. It's amazing. Just look up, you know, the Clippers. I mean, San Antonio Spurs new practice um, building. It it they it is amazing. It's been in the works for like a decade. They basically spent that that long hiring away or trying to hire away like the top sports scientists and medical <laughs> people. Just and all these. Inter, kind of interdisciplinary fields in terms of medicine and training um, to have this like amazing preventative process and like the building is all wood. It's it's huh. sort of like the star where the Dallas Cowboys practice, uh, which is almost like its own community in a way. Like that's what yeah. this sort of is. Um, it, but it's it's very far north of town, um, so I I think that's where a lot of the you know, Spurs players kind of end up living too is sort of um, okay. north of town. So I don't know how often he gets into the heart of it, but I would suspect it would be a total zoo if you were. So I, I, if even if I were him, hey, I love Boudreaux as much as the next guy, but I probably <laughs> wouldn't go there if I were him because you're never going to be able to get out of the Riverwalk area. I, I, I just have like a vision of, you know, like in, in Oppenheimer, they basically build a town for like all the best nuclear scientists in the world to come out. And I, I imagine they've done that, but with every like lower leg specialist in the world, just to make sure that that seven foot five guy stays upright for his entire career. I think you're not wrong about that. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's close it on this. You're, you're about to start the NBA travel schedule. Um, you know, what's good and what cities, what are we looking forward to on the, on the, the food rotation here? Oh man. Um, I mean, one of my favorite food cities is always Philadelphia. That's a sneaky one for me. Love it. There's a restaurant there um, that I won't divulge uh, because I don't want uh, reservations to get wiped out by Northwesterners um, whenever I'm in town. <laughs> but there's a place there that I always try to go to every single year with some, some people on the beat. Um, love Boston. Of course, love New York. Uh uh, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's not, I can find, I'm pretty easy, right? Like I, if I get to a city, yeah. I want to find a good acai bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to find some good ramen and, and then I'm pretty easy the rest of the way. So I find, I find those spots in most places. You know, I loved though that Clippers had training camp in Hawaii for a week. I was there in Honolulu. So I have, because now I've been there three times to cover Clippers training camps and another week in 2015 to cover Marcus Mariota's draft party. Um, I feel like I sort of <laughs> have my spots there. So I feel very fortunate in that regard to essentially have a month paid. I got so hosed. <laughs> I got so hosed on, on the, the Oregon cool travel beat stories. Like you got to go to Hawaii for a week. To... <laughs> uh, yeah. I should have been older, Andrew. I should have been older. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I, I know this is uh, right in the teeth of your schedule here as things get ramping up, but it's always fun checking in with you. Um, your your Oregon stories are second to none, and uh, I hope everyone uh, who enjoys NBA basketball and really good writing checks out your work with LA Times, even if you're not a Clippers writer, Andrew. Um, I mean, shit, dude. I was even looking back at some of your uh, your Duck stories this past, past week because I've been looking at 2014, and um, you're you were really good at your job. 
and I learned a lot from you. So thanks for that, jerk. Uh, Andrew Grimes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you, Tyson. I appreciate it. Yeah. Later.